And welcome back to another episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. This is a podcast series where we watch movies that are rated 69% on Rotten Tomatoes or 6.9 stars on IMDb, and we establish if it's worth it. Tonight, we are watching the 2017 adventure fantasy film Star Wars Episode 8 The Last Jedi. I am Beep Count on Twitter, and I am joined by Schweitz up in Canada, and I've also got Jeanette out in Southern California. What's up, y'all? Howdy. We're back for more. This Marching on. This is March, so this is the uh, the final installment of the Imperial March month. I think we've got we've got a doozy for you here. Big, big time, big time energy here. This movie, 2017, was rated PG-13, has a runtime of 2 hours and 32 minutes. That is 152 minutes Canadian. Yep. Yep. All two and a half hours of this one. This has a budget. (laughs) Every second is more critical than the last. Super critical. This had a budget of $317 million in... Just on opening weekend, it grossed $220 million. And since it has opened in 2017, it has grossed just over $1.3 billion. Can't hide money. Yeah. Some taglines here. Let the past die. Always in motion is the future. I don't get that one. That, no. that has to be a Yoda, right? Like always in motion. That like you would imagine that's something Yoda would say. Uh, always in motion is the future. That nice. that makes sense. And then this last one literally has it, it has nothing to do with the movie at all. Light years ahead. Discover Dolby Cinema. Always <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta plug Dolby, right? Gotta plug yeah. it. Get those tracks. Contractually obligated. This movie was directed by Ryan Johnson. You know him as the director of Knives Out, Looper, Brick. Also starring Daisy Ridley. You know her from this entire new version of the Star Wars Star Wars franchise. Uh, she was also in the 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. We also have John... Wait, are we allowed to say it that? Are we allowed to or, say that word? Is that a bingo word? Or Orient is grandfathered in because it's the name. It's an it's an old it's it's the title. Yeah, it really is the title. Yeah, it was accept modern days, not acceptable back in the old days, somewhat passing. So it the guilt is not laid on us for repeating it. It's on the creator of the content. We do not endorse the term there. Fair enough. Uh, this movie also stars, uh, and I, I honestly, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, John Boyega. John Boyega. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, how about that? Uh, obviously, here from the Star Wars, Star Wars franchise, he was also in the 2011 Attack on the Block and the 2018 Pacific Rim Uprising. 
We also have, obviously, Mark Hamill. You know him as Luke Skywalker throughout the entire Star Wars franchise. But he was also a very acclaimed uh, voice actor, including the voice of the Joker from the Batman, the, uh, the animated series. We also have Carrie Fisher. You know her, obviously, here from the entire Star Wars franchise as Princess Leia. Uh, a very underappreciated writer as well. She has a lot of uncredited rewrites for movies. She also did some rewrites for this movie as well. Um, we also have Adam Driver. You know him from Star Wars franchise, from Patterson in 2016, The Marriage Story in 2019, uh, and also a, a movie I just saw maybe about a week ago on Amazon Prime called The Report. It's about the uh, CIA black sites and the interrogations uh, after 9-11. I highly recommend it. It does not qualify for what we do here, but it is fucking phenomenal. This movie here has a 6.9 rating on IMDb. Nice. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 91% from the critics on 485 reviews and a 42% uh, rating from the audience with over 100,000 ratings. Yeah, Star Wars nerds, um, Star Wars Nation, I guess would be the kinder terminology. Did not take too kind to this um, particular movie. This is where the dip was. And they're, they're undermining and nitpicking of what this movie was. Basically laid ground to the turd bomb that is episode nine, uh, which I have yet to see and I refuse to see just because of the yeah. petulance of those people yes episode nine's awful this one was was a very polarizing movie in the community um episode seven was you know pretty much just a recreation of a new hope so um so people really wanted this to be empire strikes back and so they went in some different directions they didn't want to you know, they, they added some more levity. They didn't want to do the, the same sort of formula that they had already used. Um, and that got very mixed results. And then they just took that information and completely bungled episode nine and ruined the series because of it. <laughs> Fair enough. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> we open up Many are saying on... this. <laughs> Many Star Wars people say this. We open up on the classic Star Wars scroll, The First Order Reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the Rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. Still one of the best intro in movies is when the scroll comes on the screen. Even if you don't like reading, it's just unique and really stands out. Yeah, when you hear that, that score from John Williams sitting there behind it, it just it makes you happy. It really does. All right, we open up on Resistance fighters fleeing their base. Before they can complete their evacuation, a First Order fleet of Star Destroyers appear out of nowhere. 
One of the first order leaders says we caught them in the middle of their evacuation. General Hux says he has orders from Supreme Leader Snoke to destroy everything. He tells the crew to prime the Dreadnought to obliterate the Resistance fleet. After the Dreadnought exits hyperspace, one of the one of General Hux's op, uh, officers reports that a single fighter is flying to confront them in attack mode. The droid BB-8 and Commander Poe Dameron are in an X-Wing. BB-8 beeps nervously. Poe says, happy beeps here, buddy. I smiled. <laughs> I smiled because I was happy at this point. By the end of this, I was not a happy beep. Oh, ooh, will there be beep counts? Oh, no, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> now you've gone too far. Oh, and for those of you that may not be aware, General Hux, um, he, I, he also has a complicated name as an actor as well. Won't try to go into it, but that's Bill Weasley from the Harry Potter series. And uh, what, what's what's the actor's name? Is it Brendan? It's Brendan Gleeson's son. Yes, he, who was also in the Harry Potter series. He was yes. the uh, Mad Eye Moody. Um, yes, uh, it says uh, Dom Hall Dom Nall Gleeson. I, I'm guessing yeah. the H is silent. Yeah, Domino? he's also dog the DG. He was in the Revenant. DG. Yeah. All right. General Leia says that she's with the droid on this one. Over the first order intercom, Poe says that he has an urgent message. Urgent message for General Hugs. Happy news. Attention. This is Commander Poe Dameron of the Republic Fleet. I have an urgent communique for General Hux. Patch him through. This is General Hux of the First Order. The Republic is no more. Your fleet are rebel scum and war criminals. Tell your precious princess there will be no terms. There will be no surrender. Hi, I'm holding for General Hux. This is Hux. You and your friends are doomed. We will wipe your filth from the galaxy. Okay, I'll hold. Hello? Hello? Yep, yeah, I'm still here. Can you... can he hear me? Hugs? He can. With an H? Skinny guy? Kind of pasty? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Look, I can't hold forever. If you reach him, tell him Leia has an urgent message for him. I believe he's tooling with you, sir. About his mother. Open fire! BB-8, punch it! He's going for the Dreadnought. Ha! He's insane. I love a good intergalactic Yo Mama joke. Shrites, you're muted. <laughs> I am just having issues. Yeah, it would have only been better if it was a D's nuts joke from an intergalactic standpoint. General uh, Hux these nuts? Yeah, I guess he does. Poe's X-Wing quickly takes out the Dreadnought's defense cannons. When General Hux demands to know why Captain Kennedy is not shooting down the enemy fighter, Kennedy replies that the ship is too small and at too close a range. He orders the captain to scramble the fighters. Despite being attacked by TIE fighters, Poe calls upon BBA to fix the X-Wing's cannons so they can take out the Dreadnought's last cannon. 
Kennedy's dreadnought manages to destroy the resistance base from orbit, but not before the last transport escapes into space. With the evacuation complete, General Organa wants to evacuate the resistance forces, but Poe wants to take out the dreadnought. He says these things are fleet killers. Disobeying General Organa's orders to disengage, Poe continues on with the assault. Leia tells C-3PO to wipe that nervous look off his face. BB-8 is trying to fix the weapons, but they're running out of time. He sticks his head into the circuit breaker, gets the weapon back online. Poe takes out the last cannon before shooting down the two pursuing TIE fighters. With the Dreadnought's cannons knocked out here, a herd of resistance bombers advance on the ship. Despite having uh, Starfighter escorts, several of the slow-moving bombers are destroyed by TIE fighters. Captain Kennedy orders that the Dreadnought's autocannons be recharged so they can target the Resistance cruiser. Several Resistance bombers are destroyed by a colliding TIE fighter, leaving one last remaining bomber. As the autocannons recharge, Kennedy orders his TIE fighters to destroy that last bomber. Poe contacts Paige, who is the pilot, or who is the pilot of the bomber. Uh, she heads down. Uh, to the bomber's bay uh, to find that the bombardier uh, is knocked unconscious. After a colliding TIE fighter kills the pilot, Paige is knocked down to the, knocked down the bombing shaft. The triggering device is stuck at the top of the shaft. She tries to kick the ladder to drop down the device. The bomber continues on its run. We see the dreadnought cannon about to fire. Paige closes her eyes, grasps her necklace, and gives the ladder one last kick. The trigger falls down the shaft as the bomber begins to explode. It falls just past her, but at the last second, she reaches out and catches it. She manu manually releases the bomb load. Hell yeah. Just so the Dreadnought's auto cannons finish recharging. The Dreadnought and the bomber are destroyed, killing Paige in the process. Despite taking out Dreadnought, General Organa isn't happy with the high casualties. They lost more than half their fleet, including all the resistance bombers. The resistance vessels escape by jumping into hyperspace. The communications monitor said that Supreme Leader Snoke is making contact from his ship. Huck says, excellent, I'll take it in my chambers. Is that a double entendre? Must be. Every time they said every time they said dreadnought in this movie, all I could think of was Borat saying, This is a dreadnought. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Leader Snoke pops up on the hologram and stops Hux directly in his tracks. Before Hux can finish his greeting, Supreme Leader Snoke uses the Force, throws Hux down on the ground, drags him across the floor, and spins him around. Snoke says his disappointment cannot be overstated. Hux says the Resistance can't get away because they have them tied at the end of a string. We're now back on board with the Resistance Star Cruiser, and Finn is in a healing pod after losing a fight with Kylo Ren on Starkiller Base from the previous movie. He awakens and immediately starts looking for Rey. In the hangar, BB-8 sees a naked Finn leaking bag. Poe says he has no idea what that means. <laughs> he looks at it and sees Finn walking around leaking fluid, completely disoriented. Baby. Hell Yeah. Says he must have a thousand questions. Finn's, Finn asks, where's Ray?" Poe says, she's gone. We are now on a secluded island, and we see Ray walking up a hill. She is holding a lightsaber and hands it over to someone. We see a robotic hand reach out to grab the lightsaber, and it's Luke Skywalker. She hands him his lightsaber, uh, but he tosses it over his shoulder and walks away. 
Ray looks puzzled, and she follows Luke into his hut into uh, in the nearby village. Outside his door, Ray says that his sister sent her, and the Resistance needs his help. She returns to retrieve Skywalker's lightsaber and spots Luke's uh, X-wing starfighter submerged beneath the sea. Ray has Chewbacca break down Skywalker's door. Skywalker recognizes Chewie, and Ray tells him that they came on the Falcon. Skywalker asks, where is Han? R.I.P. We're now with Kylo Ren, and we are entering uh, Supreme Leader Snoke's throne room. Snoke is congratulating Hux for his plan and sends him to the bridge to oversee Pursuit of the Resistance. He's praising him for his actions right now, but like five minutes ago, he like turned him into a little toy and spun him around in front of all his subordinates, <laughs> humiliating him. That's fantastic. Right. Beep, is that your management style at work? Which one? The the just spinning him around and embarrassing him in front of all of his subordinates. And then building them back up afterwards. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. In private. Yes. You you can't let those little shits, you know, walk around being all cocky. Anyway. Kylo Ren kneels before Supreme Leader Snoke. Snoke says, you wonder why I keep such a rabid cur in, in a place of power. A cur's weakness can be manipulated into a sharp tool. He absolutely is a sharp tool. Snoke asks how Kylo's wound is. He says it's nothing. Snoke says when he first found Kylo, he saw a lot of potential because of his bloodline. He was destined to become the next Vader. Now he thinks he was mistaken. Kylo says he's given everything to the dark side. Snoke tells Kylo to take off that ridiculous mask. We see the scar from where Rey sliced up Kylo's face in the battle at the end of the last uh, movie, The Force Awakens. Snoke says Kylo has too much of his father's heart in him. Kylo says that he killed his father, Han Solo. So when he takes off the mask and we see the scar, I just remember like the bandage. I remember the first time I saw it, I didn't realize like, oh, that's supposed to be a bandage. I just thought like, oh, they're just, did they tattoo his face? I mean, I just think that like their their medical technology in the future a long, long time ago uh, seems pretty uh, unique. It looked yeah. like carbon fiber from like a Fast and Furious car. Yes. Yeah. Just like implanted in his face. Yeah, because it's like the it seems like the technology, medical advancements in um, the Hunger Games world we're much more ahead than here in Star Wars um, world. I mean, this is a bit of a jumping ahead, but it's like you don't even have autopilot for your giant carrier. Lord Dern has to just chill on there. It's like you couldn't just have a droid do it or auto carrier or uh, autopilot. I don't I don't get it. Had to be a hero. Snoke says the deed split Kylo to the bone. You are unbalanced, bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber. You failed. Misogyny. <laughs> Taking your manhood. Kylo yes. gets up to face. Uh, Kylo gets up in the uh, Supreme Leader's face. Snoke hits him with the Force lightning bolt. Snoke says that Skywalker's still alive. As long as he is alive, there is hope in the galaxy. He thought that Kylo would be the one to snuff it out. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child in a mask. Kylo gets in the elevator and proceeds to have an absolutely full-on nuclear tantrum. He punches the wall of the elevator with his mask, completely destroying it. 
The elevator doors open up and Kylie yells some, at some low-level First Order soldiers to prepare his ship. We see the camera pan down and his mask is completely destroyed. That was like a baseball level kind of tantrum. Like Bobby Cox. Yeah, you see it in the dugout smash. I hate my helmet. Yeah, and then later on you get the report that uh, so-and-so... Out in, six to eight weeks, broken hand. Yeah, exactly, because they <laughs> punched the wall. Is, so Kylo Ren is basically Carlos Zambrano. Or Gary Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. We're back on Luke's island. Ray tells Luke that there's no light left in Kylo Ren, and the First Order will control all the major systems within weeks. She says, we need the Jedi Order back. We need Luke Skywalker. Luke says he's not going to help. What did you think was going to happen? I would just walk out there with the laser sword and face down the entire First Order. Luke walks away. Get your call back. Ray says that she is not leaving and follows him through the island. She finds Luke milking what looks like a mix between an elephant seal and Mike Glennon. Yes. Oh my okay. God. And it's like the creature doesn't mind being milked. What he doesn't like is the additional spectators, yes. like violation of privacy. Like, look, Luke and I, we have this thing. We don't like, what are you doing here? You're making it creepy. This is an AB conversation. <laughs> that look was just like. We've, we've all been, uh, you know, shy in front of an audience before. I, I get it. Yeah, but I've never milked something. I have nipples beep. Can you milk me? <laughs> you guys want me to leave? Nope. <laughs> I, I think we're good. I, I think we want an audience for this one. Oh, dear. <laughs> we are recording. YouTube, YouTube, you're in for some shocking, eye-opening footage. Luke takes a huge swig of this uh, Athletic Greens-looking drink. Shout out Athletic Greens. But he avoids Ray and walks past her. Skywalker basically does his best limited fake Billy Gill and pole vaults across a canyon to reach the other side of a cliff. He then uses what must be a one to 200 foot pole and catches this large fish. Ray follows him through the rain back to his hut. We see her playing with the cloaked binary beacon that General Leia gave her. The next day, she's standing outside of Luke's hut. He says that she's wasting her time. While following Skywalker up a mountain in the mist, she hears whispers calling to her. She heads towards those sounds. It's an old hollowed-out tree. Inside, she finds some old books. Just as she's about to grab one of the books, Luke, who's been following her, asks who she is. Ray says that she knows this place. Luke explains that this place was built a thousand generations ago to keep the sacred Jedi text. He says, just like me, they're the last of the Jedi religion. He says, you've seen this place. You've seen this island. Ray says that she saw his place in a dream. He asks her again, who are you? Ray tells Skywalker that the resistance sent her. He asks where she's from. She says nowhere. He says no one's from nowhere. She says Jack who? He says, all right, that's pretty much nowhere. Ray tells him that the resistance needs his help because the first order has says become Says the guy from Tatooine. Tatooine's more nowhere than Jack who. Just saying. Pot calling the kettle black, right? Or takes Indeed. one to no one? He says, why are you here? She says, there's something inside of me. It's always been there, and now it's awake. She's afraid. She doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, Luke Hell says, yeah. <laughs> Baby. Luke says that she needs a teacher, but he can't do it. She asks, why not? I've seen your routine. You're not very busy. 
<laughs> Tension. <laughs> Luke says, I will never train another je- generation of Jedi. Uh, I came to this island to die, and it's time for the Jedi to end. Spoiler alert. Ray says, point of contention. He he leads a pretty active and healthy lifestyle for someone whose whole goal is to die. You're not, you know, over there milking Mike Glennon and jumping over canyons to catch ginormous fish without the use of the force. By the way, if you want to die, if you want to die, you just like stop eating and you don't go milk Mike Glennon. Fair point. Those nuns probably take care of him. Ray says his sister Leia sent her, and if he's not going to help, then they deserve to know why. We're now back with the Resistance fleet traveling through hyperspace, and we see General Leia looking worried AF. After the fleet drops out of hyperspace, Leia smacks Poe in the face and demotes him to captain. He says, but we took down a dreadnought. She says, but at what cost? Leia says there are things that he cannot solve by getting into an X-Wing and blowing things up. Poe says that there were heroes up there. Leia says, dead heroes, no leaders. Finn says, we're really nowhere. How is Ray going to find us? And Leia shows him her cloaked binary beacon. Leia tells her subordinates that their priorities are now to find a new resistance base. Uh, we hear some alarms going off, and Admiral Akbar uh, says, proximity alert. The whole First Order fleet, led by Supreme Leader Snoke's ship, is hot on the resistance fleet's tail. Poe thinks that they should do another hyperspace jump, but Leia realizes that the First Order has tracked them through light speed. Finn says that's impossible. Leia says yes, and they've done it. They should watch Star Wars Rebels and learn that that's possible. They, they must not have that technology yet. Another jump would use the rest of their fuel. Poe asks Leia's permission to jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. Leia says permission granted it, and then orders Admiral Akbar to pull a Yui. Akbar turns the ship around and raises the shields. We're in full battle stations mode now. Resistance fighters are scrambling to their stations and heading down to their X-Wings. The First Order is just raining down shots from their laser cannons. Kylo Ren flies his TIE fighter, accompanied by three Special Forces TIE fighters, which inflict significant damage here to the Resistance fleet. Poe and BB-8 are headed to the the hangar. Poe tells BB-8 not to wait for him just to fire up the X-Wing. Before they can board the ship... Kylo Ren fires a pair of torpedoes into the hangar, which destroy all the park fighters and kill several of the pilots. Poe and a damaged BB-8 survive the explosion. Meanwhile, General Organa and Admiral Akbar order the remaining resistance ships to move out of range of these Star Destroyers. Lining up for a bombing run to the ship's bridge, Kylo hesitates to fire after sensing his mother's presence on board. However, his TIE fighter escorts take the shot, destroying the primary bridge and killing most of the Resistance High Command, including Admiral Akbar. Hux tells Kylo that the Resistance fleet have moved out of range and that they cannot provide cover for him. Hux tells him to return the ship, and Kylo has another mini-tantrum. Hux asks one of the captains what's the point of their giant ship if they can't blow up three tiny cruisers. The captain says the cruisers are faster and lighter and able to keep just out of range. Huck says to keep on bombing them to remind the resistance that they're still there. Huck says they won't last long burning fuel like that, and it's just a matter of time. Leia appears to be dead, floating, frozen in outer space. Suddenly, her fingers twitch, and she opens her eyes. She then force floats through space back into the ship where she falls to the floor in a coma. As she's being transported to sickbay, the binary beacon falls out of her hand, and Finn picks it up. So this was, I think, the first time 
in the series where they showed the layout actually using the force they had uh, alluded to it in i think return of the jedi that she was able to but this is the first time you sort of saw it sort of weird if you didn't realize it was happening because they never like why didn't you use this in you know the previous six movies well she's always been force sensitive but not like yes yeah a force practitioner uh just to jump ahead a bit too they do show that in in episode nine they do have flashbacks of her training uh with luke to learn some of the things so clearly she did know how to uh, manipulate the force a little bit yeah and it's also um the one thing that with her scenes from like this point going forward is kind of the double meaning in some of the words that she has and the actions that she takes because this is the last sort like fight one of her final projects before she passed away so imagine like you're in the theater and you see her that she's literally floating off to the great beyond she comes back that had to have been like a chills moment for the people watching in the theaters. Well, I remember when I went to see this, there was a lot of talk that they were going to kill her off in this movie because she had passed away. So um, this was just a scene where you just assumed that they had done that. And turns out they didn't uh, at this point. So it was, it was interesting, like watching with that perspective. Ray is asleep in her hut. We're back on the island now. Chewbacca is roasting a porg over the fire. While settling into his meal, he is confronted by the porg's family. Chewbacca tries to shoo them away, but is struck by the sight of these sad-faced porgs. In your in your research, did you find uh, the trivia about the porgs? I did. I did. Yes, so and three, three, it's, do, it's, do you want to do it now, or do you want to do it later? We can do that one now. I think that one's fun. So the porgs are these little cute creatures. Uh, that are actually just puffins that were on set and they weren't able to get rid of them. There were so many. So they just uh, wrote them into the movie and then digitally altered them into another creature. Correct. Nailed it. Kish would have, Kish would have joined Chewbacca in eating that pork. <laughs> we know his affinity for penguin and puffins are kind of penguin cousins. Adjacent. Yeah. Penguin adjacent. My wife and I went to Iceland uh, four or five years ago now, and we went to a beach where it was just tons of puffins. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, not what I would eat, but uh, they certainly look tasty. Meanwhile, Luke Skywalker visits the Falcon where he finds Han Solo's dice, future callback, a memento of his fallen friend. Skywalker also has a brief reunion here with R2-D2. He says, nothing can make me change my mind. R2-D2 plays back the old hologram message of his sister, Leia, calling Obi-Wan Kenobi for help. Luke says that was a cheap move. Luke wakes Ray up. That's that's hard to say. Luke wakes Ray up and says, tomorrow at dawn. He says he's going to give her three lessons. I will teach you the ways of the Jedi and why they need to end. Back on the Resistance ship here, Commander Dacey informs the assembled Resistance that General Organa is stable but in a coma. She regrets to inform them that Admiral Akbar and the rest of the Resistance High Command have all perished aboard the bridge of the cruiser here. Dacey tells them that if Leia were here, she would tell them to save their sorrow until after the fight. The chain of command now falls to Vice Admiral Holdo of the cruiser Ninka. 
Holdo says there's 400 of us left here on three ships, but we're not alone. In every corner of the galaxy, the downtrodden and oppressed are behind us. We are the spark that will light the fire that will restore the Republic. She says the resistance must survive. That is our mission. She sends everyone back to their battle stations and says, may the force be with us. Poe introduces himself as commander and warns the vice admiral that they will eventually run out of fuel. She says, very kind of you to make me aware. She says, it's captain, right? Not commander. Wasn't that Leia's last official act to demote you for your dreadnought plan? You know, the one where we lost our entire bombing fleet. Poe says, Captain, Commander, you can call me whatever you like. He just wants to know what's going on. Just don't call me late for dinner. Yuck, 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 yuck. Waka waka. She says, of course you do. I've dealt with plenty of trigger-happy flyboys like you. She tells Poe that he's impulsive, dangerous, and the last thing that we need right now. Holda orders him to stick to his post and follow her orders. We cut to Finn sneaking around, getting together a go bag. He's about to desert the resistance. He heads down to the escape pods. He sees a young woman crying. She's holding half of a necklace. The other half belonged to the bomber pilot Paige, who took down the dreadnought earlier that day. She gets a glimpse of Finn walking to the escape pods and catches him in the act of putting his go bag into one of the pods. She asks him what he's doing. Finn is struggling to come up with a lie here. Rose says, you're Finn, the Finn. She is super, super awkward here. She says that she works with pipes all day, and doing talking to resistance heroes is not her forte. Again, awkward AF. <laughs> Phrasing. She is super starstruck here. Finn says, I'm not a hero, but it was nice to meet you, and may the force be with you. She says, wow, you too. She says that he is a hero. You left the First Order and what you did on Starkiller Base. When my sister Paige heard about it, she said, Rose, that's a real hero. You don't run away when things get hard. Hell yeah. Finn is being fake bashful here. She said that she's already had to stun three people trying to jump ship in an escape pod just this morning. Finn does that thing where, you know, you kind of lie, but you're doing exactly what you're being accused, accused of doing. Um, he says, what? That's disgraceful. She puts away her stun gun, but then she sees Finn's go bag in the escape pod. Finn tries to block her view of the pod and says he's got to get back to what he was doing. She asks, what, what are you doing? Finn says, you know, just doing some routine checks. She figures out that he's lying. She says routine checks on the escape pod with a packed bag. And before he can explain himself, she stuns him. What? What? Finn wakes up on a cart. Rose tells Finn that she's taking him to the brig for desertion. Finn tries to apologize and tells Rose that the fleet is doomed. And if his friends, uh, if his friend comes back to the ship, she's doomed too. He's got to get the bacon, the bacon motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get the beacon far away from the ship. So Ray will be safe. Rose says that Finn is a selfish traitor. He says they can't outrun the First Order. They've been tracking them through light speed. She says that they must have an active tracker. It's fairly new tech. Rose and Finn starts to finish each other's sentences here. It's so cute. Is it? The mechanics banter made my teeth hurt. Banter? <laughs> Is that one of the horsemen now? Manter. I, no, Manter was what Poe was doing when he was trying to give orders to the vice admiral that was manter no see Jeanette now that's what we call mansplaining mansplaining is where <laughs> what 
Uh, if they can get access to the breaker, Rose can shut off the tracker. Uh, Finn tells her that he used to mop the room and can get them in. Finn and Rose start to share a plan with Poe and C-3PO in Leia's medical room. They just need to disable the tractor for about six minutes, which should be enough time for the Resistance fleet to escape. Poe asks how Finn and Rose met. Rose says it was just luck. Finn says this plan will save the fleet and it will save Rey. C-3PO says that Holdo will not agree with their plan. Poe says that this is a need-to-know plan and Holdo doesn't need to know. Since they can't get through the First Order security, they contact Maz, who is embroiled in a union dispute. While exchanging fire, Maz tells them to seek out the Master Codebreaker. He is the greatest codebreaker in the galaxy, an ace pilot, a poet with the blaster. C-3PO says, it sounds like this codebreaker fellow can do everything. Maz says, oh, yes, he can. (laughs) (laughs) Maz says they can. Maz says they can find him with a red plum bloom lapla- uh, red plum bloom on his lapel. She red. sells, she sells by the seashore with a red, red plum plums. bloom on his lapel at a high stakes table in the casino on Canto Bite. And all I could think of when I heard Canto Bite was that scene from uh, from the terminal with Tom Hanks and uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. He's about to invite her to dinner. That's one where he has AIDS, right? That's no, no Anderson Cooper, no Donald Sterling, no. Uh, he's about to invite uh, Catherine Zeta Jones to dinner, and he keeps on saying, "You know, would you like to get a bite to eat?" But he keeps on messing it up and says, "Eat the bite, eat the bite, eat the bite." Milia. Mm-hmm. To get it to bite, bite to eat, can't alone. Bite to eat, bite to eat, bite to eat. Eat the bite, eat the bite. Before leaving to seek out the master codebreaker, Finn passes Leia's binary beacon to Poe. We are now back on Luke's island. Ray is awakened by sunlight, peering in through a crack in her hut. We jump to the First Order ship and we see Kylo Ren getting some reconstructive surgery on his facial scar. He can sense Ray. Ray senses Kylo. She takes out her blaster and fires a weapon. Kylo grunts as if he's been shot. We see that Ray just shot a hole through the wall of her hut. Ray walks outside. Kylo walks into the hall. Kylo tries to use the force and says, you'll bring Luke Skywalker to me. Uh, he realizes that they are not in the same place. Kylo asks if Ray can see his surroundings because he can't see hers. Uh, she is pissed. She says, you're going to pay for what you did. We see Luke coming out of his hut. We see the island caretakers trying to fix the hole in the wall. Ray says that she was cleaning her blaster and it just went off. Luke explains the caretakers are island natives who have been maintaining the Jedi structures since they were built. 
Ray says that she doesn't think that they like her. Luke says that he can't imagine why. Luke leads Ray into a cave in the first Jedi temple. Ray says that she needs Luke to bring the Jedi back to defeat Kylo because he is strong with the dark side of the Force. Luke asks Ray what she knows about the Force and says it's a power that Jedi had to control people and make things float. He says, that's impressive. Every single word that you just said was wrong. Skywalker quizzes Rey about her knowledge of the Force, telling her the Force is not simply a power, but it's an energy that binds all things. For her first lesson, he tells her to close her eyes, breathe, and reach out. She reaches out her hand with her eyes closed, and Luke tickles her hand with a leaf. She says that she can feel it. He says, wow, you're really powerful. It's, you're so powerful. And then he smacks <laughs> her hand with a leaf. She says, oh, you meant like reach out, like... With my heart. There was so much tension there. It was so bad. Yeah. Luke makes her try it again. Uh, during the lesson, Skywalker tells her to breathe and reach out with her feelings while touching rocks. Through the force, Ray can see the island, the cycle of life and death, warmth, cold, peace, and violence. When prompted, she tells Luke that she can sense the force inside. Skywalker explains the Force does not belong to the Jedi, urging her to reject her simplistic view of the Force uh, as cleanly defined between light and dark sides of the Force. Ray senses a place beneath that is strong in the dark side beneath the island. Ray senses it calling out to her as the stones begin to float. This summons a geyser of water. Hell yeah. Ray says that it was trying to show her something. Luke says it was trying to show you something that you needed, but you didn't even resist it. Not being able to sense Skywalker in the Force, Ray realizes that Skywalker has cut himself off from the Force. Luke says that he's seen this raw strength before in Ben Solo, a.k.a. Kylo Ren, and that he regrets not taking action back then. Now we're back with the Resistance fleet and we hear alarm going off. Vice Admiral Holdo asks what that was. The communications monitor says it was just some passing debris. Poe gives the monitor a nodding look, and now we're in a stolen transport pod. Uh, Finn and Rose are flying to Cantobite. Cantobite? Cantobite. 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 Finn says the fleet only has 18 hours of fuel left. Now we're back in the Falcon. Ray asks Chewbacca if they have been able to reach the resistance yet. She says to let her know once they can reach Finn. So just to go back a second, whenever you watch a movie that takes place in space with technology like this they make a reference to days or hours do you ever question that because like what days obviously vary planet to planet hours would vary planet to planet like they never express do they have a standardized uh hour system there so i just wonder if other people have those thoughts yeah it's, it's got to be a standard galactic time sgt hmm. 18 hours sgt i hear congress wants to make it permanent i'm down with that I also um, at that point in the previous scene when uh, Luke, old man Luke, is like done with his, you know, yelling at at clouds. I, I had the note of he's Jedi Smeddy. Fuck them kids. <laughs> 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 Fuck these four sensitive kids. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> Jetty. <laughs> Jetty Blanc. Chewie has offended, has befriended some of the porgs that he was trying to eat earlier. Ray steps outside of the Falcon, and we have an incoming force time call. I'm going to call these uh, connections here force times. Um, 
a call between her and Kylo Ren. Kylo wants to know why the Force is connecting them. Rey says that he is a murderous snake. She says that Kylo lost and that she found Luke. Kylo asks, did he tell you what happened and did he tell you why he destroyed the temple? Ray says, I know exactly what you are. You're a monster. Kylo says, yes, I am a monster. And the force time call ends. I'm a monster. We see a wave splashing up on the rocks. Kylo looks down at his hand and he's got some water on it. Are we sure that's water? Hell yeah. We now cut to the stolen transport pod with Finn and Rose. Rose says that we need to find the Master Codebreaker and get out of town. Finn asks her if she'd ever heard of Cantabite. Rose says, only from stories, it's the worst place filled with the worst people in the galaxy. Finn and Rose park their transport on a public beach. Uh, Slow and low uh, stitches here to the Cantabite Police Department and tells them that they went to the casino. We now have a tracking shot through the casino floor, and Finn is absolutely mesmerized. BB-8 is rolling around the casino floor. An alien stops to put some coins in him, burps in his face, throws up, puts some more coins in him, and gets mad when BB-8 doesn't pay out. The house always wins, I guess. <laughs> Not on the first date, man. <laughs> <laughs> says, if, it's th- if it's that much money in my slot. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, BB-8 has a higher standards, I guess. Rose says that they need to find the Master Codebreaker, who is wearing a fuck, a red plum bloom on his lapel. Hey, got it. Plums. The two head over to the bar, and they start looking for the Codebreaker. We hear a loud crash outside. Rose says, is that what I think it was? Uh, the two go outside, and they see a father's race going on. Rose says that she's never seen one in person. Finn asks why Rose hates this place. It's so beautiful. She asks Finn what he sees. Finn looks through some binoculars, and she sees the jockey cracking an electrified whip on one of the fathers. A trainer is cracking at a father. A kid tries to stop him. He gets knocked down. He gets up again. Never keep him down. And the trainer threatens to hit him with the whip. Rose explains that she came from a mining system that was uh, exploited by the First Order. She says... There's only one business in in the galaxy that's going to get you this rich, Finn says, war. Rose says all these people here sold weapons to the First Order. Rose says that she wishes she could put her fist to the whole lousy, beautiful town. BB-8 spots the Master Codebreaker shooting spacecrafts and alerts Finn and Rose. However, they are spotted by Slow and Low. He says, yep, those are the shuttle parkers. Finn and Rose are stunned by the uh, Cantobite, Cantobite, Cantobite police officers who have them arrested. Lovey, who is with the Master Codebreaker, notices this commotion, but the Codebreaker is absolutely entrenched here in this game of space craps. BB-8 is thrown out of the casino by the police. It's amazing that even in this universe, how it's the meter maids that managed to disrupt all of the plans. So this has to be like, I don't know, the equivalent of what, like space Vegas, but also like space Miami for the corruption angle of it and lawlessness. It's Macau. Ah. That's a great, great. Yeah, that's it. We're back on Luke's Island here. After pairing with her staff, uh, Ray practices the lightsaber on some rocks 
Luke is sitting watching her. She used her lightsaber to cut through the pillar of rock, which smashes a wagon belonging to two of the island caretakers below. Later that evening, Skywalker explains that now the Jedi are extinct. They are deified and romanticized. He believes that the legacy of the Jedi is a failure, arrogance, and hubris because they failed to prevent the rise of Darsidious and his galactic empire. Skywalker reminds Rey that it was the Jedi Master who was responsible for training Darth Vader. Rey reminds Skywalker about the redemption of his father. However, Luke is still tormented by the guilt of his failure to keep Ben Solo from falling to the dark side, believing that he failed his sister and Han. Luke explains that he sensed the darkness growing in Ren. We see some flashback exposition here. When he went to go confront uh, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, Skywalker claims that Solo turned on him. Luke is standing over a sleeping Ren. Kylo uses the force to pull down the house on top of Luke. Luke wakes up to emerge from the rubble, and as Pal would say, more rubble. Shout out, Pal. <laughs> Skywalker finds his temple in flames and that Ben had taken some of his students and slaughtered the rest. Leia blames Snoke, but Luke, but Luke blamed himself. Ray reassures Luke that the galaxy made him a legend and that she needs his help to find her place in all this. She tells Luke that he didn't fail Kylo, Kylo failed him. She says that she won't fail him. That's a lot of like psychological gymnastics there to like amp up the old man. To I mean, so. Star Wars is very much like a space opera as it's described. So that feels very uh, over the top operatic there, minus the singing. Ooh. We're back with the Resistance, and they are still being bombarded here by the First Order. General Hux orders the destruction of the Resistance medical frigate. However, the captain has already evacuated the ship and stays behind as it is engulfed in laser shots. Vice Admiral Holdo watches in horror. The lieutenant reminds Holdo that they only have six hours of fuel left. She orders the emergency bridge crew to remain on their current course. Poe worries about Finn and Rose's mission and sends a message that they are running low on they're running on fumes. At the Canto Bite, Canto Bite, Canto Bite Police Headquarters, Finn and Rose try to come up with a different plan. We hear a voice that says he can do it. It's uh, Benicio del, Benicio del Toro. Uh, the bull. What, what is that in Canadian? Frankie Four Fingers. There it is. Oui. He says that he overheard everything that they were saying very loudly while he was trying to sleep. Uh, Codebreaker thief, I can do it. Finn says, we're not talking about picking pockets here. Benicia says, oh yeah, don't let the rapper fool you, my friend. He says that the First Order Codage uh, and him go way back, and he can break them into Snoke's boudoir if the price is right. Rose and Finn say, no, we've got this one covered. Benicia walks over to the lock of the cell door and picks it, throws it wide open, gives them a little wave, and just walks right out of the jail cell. Rose and Finn say, did he just... And then they run out after him. So he has his boots tied around his neck in that scene. Have you ever seen someone do that? Like, in any regard? So I just kept staring at him, like, this is a choice you're making. <laughs> Maybe not with boots. I've seen it with, in, like, like, cleats, like soccer cleats, right? You kind of hang them over your shoulder. Yeah, but just boots seem heavy. Like, I, I just... I don't doesn't work. Benicia walks around the corner here and sees all of the prison guards tied up. He asks if BBA did this. He's pretty impressed. Another guard comes around the corner and he says, hands up. 
He points a blaster at Benicio. He says, yeah, man, my hands are up. BB-8 begins It's pronounced fire. Hans. Hans up. God damn it. BB-8 and they stay there. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to get through this. This is going to be a six-hour episode. BB-8 begins to fire all the coins that were in the stomach of the guard. Benicio comes over, hits the guard over the head with his boots and knocks him out. BB-8 blows smoke away from his gut gun. Benicio drops to the floor, picks up all the money that BB-8 shot out. He says, what's your story, Roundy? The police look for the group and they say to lock all lock down all the exits. They look at the floor and it appears that Finn and Rose have escaped the police headquarters through the sewers. Pursued by the police, they head to the father's stable. Rose opens one of the stalls and she sees one of the stable boys, stable kill, stable children, stable kid, uh, who was being whipped earlier. The kid says, or the kid is about to hit the alarm. Rose says, "Wait!" and she shows the kid a ring. She opens the ring and says that we're with the resistance. Inside the ring is the symbol for the resistance. The police enter the stables looking for Finn and Rose. The kid opens up the stable doors, releasing the fathers, creating a stampede that allows Finn and Rose to escape through the streets of Cantobite. Cantobite? Cantobite? They are smashing through the casino, destroying everything these people hold dear to their hearts. Riding on a father, the two flee to the beach in an attempt to reach their transport pod. However, it is destroyed by a pursuing Cantobite, Cantobite, mounted police officer Speeder. Their fathers uh, carry them up a hill to the outskirts of the city where they narrowly avoid falling off a cliff. Rose says they're trapped. Finn says that it was worth it to tear up that town, make them hurt. Rose then frees their father. Rose says now it's worth it. Always reminds me of that uh, that Brady Quinn commercial for that workout stuff. That way, I don't waste my workout. Now I'm done. <laughs> Before the police can catch up with them, they are picked up by Benicio and BB-8, who have uh, picked them up in a luxury yacht. Lot. We are back on Luke's island. Luke's. Uh, Luke revisits the cliffside outcrop here where he first began training Ray and attempts to reopen his connection to the Force, succeeding when he makes mental connection with an unconscious Leia. She wakes up and says, Luke. He responds and says, Leia. We now have an incoming Force time call from Kylo to Ray. She says that she'd rather not do this right now. He says, yeah, me neither. She wants to know why he hated his father so much, and we cut to Kylo standing in his bedroom, bare-chested, looking buff, with uh, pants all the way up to his belly button. Uh, this this was uh, disturbing. This, this was, <laughs> like, I remember when there was the marketing for this before the whole movie was premiered, and a big deal was made out of Adam Driver looking, like, being buff and... Uh, because I guess it, it was just like, he's not classically handsome. So it's that thing where despite what he looks like, look at his body. So it was a really weird thing that people were doing with him. I guess it was like a Butterface can have a six pack or something. It was, it's also just, it reminds, there's a family guy sketch where like, it's like the two mobsters in the movie from like the fifties and they each start pulling their pants up higher. Cause if they put them down, their six pack goes away. So I was just thinking of that. It's like, why are your pants so high? Like, <laughs> well, or it wasn't really a six pack. Maybe he just got like the top two or four and it's like, okay, we'll just kind of like help you through the magic of costume design. Yes. 
She asks if Kylo can put something on. She wants to know why he killed his father. She doesn't understand. Kylo says that Ray's parents threw her away like garbage, and she can't stop needing them. It's her greatest weakness. She's looking for them everywhere in Han Solo and now in Luke Skywalker. She asks Ray if Luke told her what happened that night. We get another flashback scene where Kylo brings down the house on Luke's head. This time it's from Kylo's perspective. Kylo says Luke could sense Kylo's power growing just like Luke can sense Ray's, and we see him sleeping in bed. The camera pans up, and an enraged Luke is standing over him with his lightsaber drawn. Kylo is scared out of his mind. He uses the Force to bring his lightsaber to him and blocks Luke before he can strike Kylo. Kylo then brings down the house on top of both of them. Ray calls Kylo a liar. He tells Ray to let the past die and to kill it if she has to, adding that it is the only way to realize her potential. The Force time call now ends. Sensing the call from the dark side, Ray travels to the cavern beneath the island where the dark side is powerful and experiences a vision while touching a reflective rock wall, asking to see her parents, but seeing only her own reflection. Uh, this hole just was basically the, the butthole of the island, right? Yeah. Yeah, even like there was really, it was not just the butthole, but unwaxed. So they really went out of their way to like be very graphic with, with this whole thing. So doesn't do much for that whole like nerd appeal for like Star Wars, all those uh, stereotypes that exist. But ugh. yeah, I did kind of like this scene here with the, the mirrors and how, how it was shot. I really, really enjoyed that part. I thought it was, and this is was cool. This is similar also to like Empire Strikes Back where Luke goes in the cave when he's training with Yoda and, you know, sees visions and sees Vader. And I think that's sort of what they were mimicking a little bit. Yeah. When he, uh, was it, he like decapitates him, uh, with the lightsaber and then it turns out to be his own head and it just like freaks him out. Yes. Also Vader means father in German. Thank you. Pitch perfect. Ray returns to her hut where she has another force time call here with Kylo. Feeling a kindred spirit in Ren, she reaches out through the Force connection to hold his hand. They are soon discovered by Luke, who is reconnected to the Force. Luke angrily destroys, angrily destroys Ray's hut with the Force and demands that she leaves Yalan immediately. Ray wants to know if it's true if Luke tried to murder Kylo Ren. Luke tells Ray to leave the island now, but Ray attacks him in her rage. She asks if he created a Kylo. Luke fends off Ray's attacks and disarms her, but submits when she threatens him with his own lightsaber. We get some more flash flashback exposition here. Luke tells the rest of the story. He saw the dark side rising in Ben Solo. His heart had already been turned by Snoke. He confessed that he contemplated killing Ben while he slept, but that moment passed like a fleeting shadow. The last thing he saw were the eyes of a frightened boy. Ben, however, awoke to see Luke standing over him with the ignited lightsaber and immediately counterattacked, destroying Luke's new Jedi temple and disappearing to become Kylo Ren. Ray believes that Kylo can still be saved from the dark side. Skywalker warns her that it is not going to end the way that she thinks. Ray is adamant despite Skywalker's warnings. She says that when they just touched hands, she saw the light in him and she can change him. Of course she can. Ah, the refrain of so many of us women. I can change him. Yeah. Shout out to Pam. <laughs> no, it's it's all of us. There's always that. There's something about 
just looking at you guys as clay, you know, and it's like, I, you know, right now you're just a little, I can make you into art because I'm the only one. I am the Picasso. I am who you need to kind of, you know, to ch I, I can change you. So famous last words for many, many hopeful women out there. She tries to return Luke's lightsaber to him, but he lets her keep it. Ray believes that Kylo Ren is their last hope. We see Ray leaving the island aboard the Falcon. Luke returns to the tree library with a torch intended to destroy the ancient Jedi text. However, he is interrupted by the force spirit of Yoda. As Luke hesitates mm. at the task, Yoda himself summons a thunderbolt to destroy the library. Skywalker tries to enter the tree, but is driven back by the flames. Yoda remarks that he has missed Skywalker. Seeing the tree burning, Skywalker believes it is time for the Jedi to end. Yoda counters that it is time to look past old books. When, Skyrock, when Skywalker reminds him about the sacred Jedi text, Yoda responds they were not page turners, which contain wisdom, but wisdom that already exists. He tells Luke not to focus too much on the horizon, but pay attention to his immediate needs. Luke blames himself for the loss of Ben Solo. Luke is unconfident here teaching Ray, but Yoda encourages, encourages him to pass on what he has learned. Yoda counsels Luke that failure can be the greatest teacher. As he and Skywalker watch the burning tree, he tells Luke, we are what, what they grow beyond. That is the burden of all masters. It's like so, like, I guess it, it's similar appeals that Ray was making to him, but it took the backwards kind of talking wisdom of Yoda to make it sink in. So just, it, I don't know, just... Like, I guess maybe they didn't even need Ray. Like, maybe if this vision would have happened earlier or something, we could have spared ourselves, like, what, 15 minutes in this whole movie? Come to him in a dream. Give him the vision that way. Then she wouldn't have had to go into the butthole. I don't know. I think she definitely had to go in the butthole. While traveling through hyperspace in the stolen ship, Rose asked Benicio if he can disable the shields and help them infiltrate the First Order and disable the hyperspace tracker. When Benicio asks for a price, Rosenfinn promised that the Resistance can pay him later. He asks for a down payment. He asks if Rose's pendant necklace is hasty and smelt. That's worth something. She tosses it to him. Benicio says, now I can help. And Finn follows Benicio. As Benicio is raiding the drawers of the ship, Finn asks what he's doing and then realizes that it's a stolen ship. Finn says, well, at least you're stealing from the bad guys. Benicio says, bad guys, good guys, those are all made-up words. He says, let's see who this ship belongs to. Turns out it was an arms dealer, and he was selling weapons to the First Order and to the Resistance. We now cut to the First Order, still bombing the Resistance. They've just blown up the last support ship. The Resistance are down to one final ship. Poe breaks into the bridge to confront Vice Admiral Holdo, saying, what are we doing? What's the plan? And that was our last support ship. She says that when she served under Leia, she would say that, Hope is like the sun. If you only believe when you see it, you'll never make it through the night. Poe looks behind Holdo and she sees that she is fueling up the transport ships. It looks like they are abandoning ship. Poe is outraged and he says those ships are without weapons or shields and that she's going to kill everyone in the resistance. He says that she is a coward and a traitor. She says, get this man off my bridge. Get off my bridge. I also feel like she would be more forthcoming with the plan. Like... Hiding it with that many people doesn't really matter. 
I don't think that's really affecting the plan if she's hiding it from, you know, three people. So I feel like she would just share with everyone what she's doing. Yeah. But he's gonna pose gonna like Poe's gonna Poe. Like if he would she would have told him the plan, he would have tried to find a hole in it or not a you know, something. He would have just like not sat still and gotten into one of the ships and followed the directive orders because he's, you know, free thinker, rebellious. He wants to blow shit up. He's a man of action. So he's just not going to follow along, even if she was truthful with it. So maybe she just enjoyed seeing him like dick around and stuff. Yeah. Like we got six, we got six hours. Let's see what this fool does. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they had like a side bet, like a prop bet, you know, like a, you know, a couple shekels and he's going to go this way. But like, watch right now, he's going to like come in, you know, how many speeches is he going to throw my way about how, I don't know what, what's, what was the over under that? Like five. I don't know. It was plus one of five on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> Poe contacts Finn and asks if they found the codebreaker. Finn says they found a codebreaker. Poe says they got to hurry up. The fleet is here on fumes. We cut to the Falcon and Ray is getting into an escape pod. She leaves the Falcon and the escape pod and enters the First Order hangar. She is greeted by Kylo Ren and a pair of stormtroopers who place her in handcuffs. We cut to the stolen ship where Finn, Rose, and Benicio are trying to break through the First Order shields. Benicio says that he is cloaking their poach and they will be off the First Order radar. She places a key into the slot and it disables the shield and they are able to slip into the ship. Back in the Resistance ship now, Poe tells Holdo about his plan to send Finn and Rose to disable the First Order hyperspace tracker. She says that you put the survival of Resistance at bad odds with a terrible plan and put us all at risk. She says to get everyone on the transport ships and start heading off the ship. Poe says, I was afraid you're going to say that. He says, Vice Admiral Holdo, I'm relieving you of your command for the survival of the ship, its crew, and the resistance. Basically here pulling a mutiny straight out of Crimson Tide. Yeah. It, it, so here, it, it's like he, like, experience, knowledge, the Leia's trust in Holdo means nothing to him. It's just him wanting to execute a vision of how things should go. Yeah. When he, ha- when he has he's only had been in two star wars Aldo yeah. has been in what many many more and he just thinks that that's enough just he has more than enough experience and knowledge in the situation than she does and he can do this thing to try to take over and he was just demoted like earlier that day mm-hmm. hmm. she says i hope you know what you're doing he says yeah i'm going to the bridge and if they move stun them Finn Rose Manicio steal a First Order officer uniform from an automated laundromat, and they make their way in. They make their way to the hyperspace tractor. BB-8 is hidden underneath a trash container. However, the intruders are spotted by a First Order BB droid. As Kylo Ren takes Ray up the elevator to Supreme Leader Snoke's throne room, she tells him that she feels the good in him and that she saw his future. She promises to help him. Kylo responds that he foresaw that she will turn turn to him and claims to know who her parents are. Snoke is pleased with his apprentice for delivering Rey, telling him that his faith is restored. We now cut to Rose, Finn, and Benicia trying to, t- trying to break into the hyperspace tracking room. He takes out the medallion that Rose gave him as a down payment. It fries the system, and he says, Hasting smelt, best conductor, hands the medallion back to Rose. 
Potent mutineers, including Lieutenant Connix, now are trying to take over the ship's emergency command bridge and try to restart the ship. However, Holdo snatches a blaster and frees herself. C-3PO refuses to take part in the mutiny, heads to the door, which is being disintegrated. Poe tells Finn that they are running out of time. Benicio breaks into the tracking room. Someone is melting down the door to the Resistance Bridge. Finn, Rose, Benicio, and BB-8 are all captured here by stormtroopers and Captain Phasma. BB-8, still disguised, is able to evade capture. When the door collapses, he is startled to encounter a recovered General Organa who stuns him. Connix and C-3PO also surrender, ending the mutiny and allowing the evacuation to begin. We're in the hangar. Holdo says that Poe is a troublemaker and that she likes him. Leia agrees. Holdo volunteers to stay behind and pilot the cruiser. Leia is unwilling to risk any more losses, but Holdo tells Leia that she taught her how. Holdo says, may the force be with you always. The two friends part following a handshake, and the lifeboats are away and cloaked from the First Order's radar. The First Order continues to bomb the cruiser. Yeah, this... It's so weird that, I mean, I don't know how these stun guns are charged, but clearly it's not coming directly from whatever's going on in the ship because they're just going, like, stunning people like crazy. Yeah. What? What? Commander Dacey tells Poe that they are evacuating to an old Rebel Alliance base on the nearby planet of Crate. Leia tells Poe that she approved of Holdo's evacuation plan and that Holdo was more concerned with protecting the light than being a hero. Holdo wishes her comrades Godspeed on the bridge of the of the cruiser. Snoke tells Ray to come closer, admiring Ray's strength and remarking that lightness has emerged to meet the rising darkness. Snoke says that he warned Kylo Ren that as his powers grew stronger, so would his equal in the light. He then snatches Skywalker's lightsaber from Ren's hand with the force snoke uses the force to bring ray closer to him ray warns him that he underestimated skywalker ben solo and her and then it would be his downfall snow claims that he is responsible for the force time calls between her and ren as part of the plan to destroy luke he says that he stoked kylo's conflicted soul he knew that kylo wasn't strong enough to hide it and ray was not wise enough to resist the bait Snoke demands that Rey reveal Skywalker's location, but she remains defiant. Snoke uses the Force to levitate Rey and probes her mind for Skywalker's location. We now cut to Finn and Rose being led to face General Hux. He says, well done, Phasma. Phasma says, your ship and payment, and she hands a crate full of money to Benicio. Rose calls him a lying snake. Benicio says, we got caught. I cut a better deal. Finn says, cut a deal with what? A lieutenant approaches Hux and says the information checks out. He told the First Order about the Resistance plan to cloak their transports and leave the cruiser. Hux tells the lieutenant to fire the weapons at will. Several ships are destroyed, inflicting heavy losses on the Resistance. Vice Admiral Holdo orders the transports to continue their journey to the planet. We now cut back to Snoke's throne room. Having probed Ray's mind and learned Skywalker's location, Snoke releases his Force grip on Ray and mocks Luke for his wisdom. He vows to destroy Luke and the Jedi Order. Rey tries to seize Luke's lightsaber with the Force, but Snoke uses the Force to swing it back around, pull a Yui, and hit her in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. He then uses the Force to levitate her and force her to watch the destruction of the Resistance fleet through a viewport. Rey grabs Kylo Ren's lightsaber with the Force, but the elite Praetorian guards here flash their weapons. 
Snoke says that you've got a lot of spunk, and now I'm going to kill you and the Jedi Order. Ray charges at Snoke, but he uses the Force to throw her back to the ground. Kylo retrieves his lightsaber. Snoke uses the Force to make Ray kneel before Kylo. Supreme Leader Snoke says, Kylo Ren, son of darkness, heir apparent to the Lord Vader. Where there was conflict, I now sense resolved. Where there was weakness, strength, complete your training, and fulfill your destiny. Kylo says, I know what I have to do. Ray looks up at Kylo and says, Ben. Snoke laughs and says, you think you can turn him? Pathetic child. I cannot be betrayed. I cannot be beaten. I see him draw the lightsaber, strike down his true enemy. And while Snoke is saying this, Kylo is force-fingering Skywalker's lightsaber next to Snoke. And he moves into position and impales Snoke. Ren then uses the force to pass Skywalker's lightsaber back to Rey, which cuts Supreme Leader Snoke in half. And we get a pretty awesome battle scene here with uh, Kylo, Ren, and Rey. They're teaming up to fight uh, Snoke's guards. Yep, and pretty much destroy all of the throne room. And it's, you know, you get that the classic amped up Star Wars fighting song. And it's a lot of the... So it, it, it took us a while to get to this uh, fast-paced part of the movie. And, you know, um, so the whole thing with, with Snoke is how he's kind of, he's more wily than these two individuals and how he's able to see what their true desires is. So just for him to have not been able to see what, the maneuver that Kylo was about to attempt to like kill him instead of Ray. It's like, Oh wow. Like how did he fail? Is that his own, um, is that his own hubris that got in the way or is this, or is this part of the actual plan where Snoke sacrificed himself, uh, knowing because remember like, where we, we like we saw him force project himself in the beat in the early part of the movie when he played around with Hux. So it's like how much of this is intentional? It continues to be part of the plan, or oh shoot, this guy just kind of like got cut up and got himself killed. I think he just got caught up. He got caught his own way, his own hubris, just like you said. Mm. We're back in the hangar, and Finn calls Benicio a murdering bastard. Benicio says it's just business. They kill you, you kill them, nothing personal. (laughs) Ray manages, we're back in the throne room, and Ray manages to kill one of the guards with a lightsaber, but a second guard wraps his electro chain whip around her blade. Ray manages to break free by impaling the guard with her blade. A third guard divides his blade in half and charges at Ray. Ray rent is cornered by three guards, but he breaks free and impels one before throwing his body into a generator where he is absolutely disintegrated. Mm Mm-hmm. As the three other guards converge on him, Kylo kills two, but is grabbed by one who traps him in a headlock. Rey is trapped by the other guard, but manages to break free by going full Arya Stark here, drops her lightsaber into her open hand, and then slashes him up. Rey then helps Kylo kill the last guard by throwing her lightsaber to him, and he pops it open, smashes him right through the head, killing him. Rey implores Kylo Ren to order the First Order gunners to stop bombarding the Resistance fleet, but Ren tells her to let the past die, including the Jedi, the Sith, the Resistance, and the First Order. He invites her to rule the galaxy by his side. When Rey refuses, Kylo compels Rey to admit what she thinks she knew all along, that her parents were insignificant junkers who sold her for drinking money, and that they are dead and buried in some pauper's grave 
in Jakku. He tells her that she comes from nothing and that she is nothing, but not to me. Ren then pleads with Rey to join him by his side. Uh, so that's the counterbalance to the trope of I can fix him. It's the guy's like, nobody ever saw you when you had your big old glasses. <laughs> and, you know, you were in the library always studying and not going to the dances. But the moment that you put your hair back in a ponytail and you put on a little lip gloss, I knew. And everybody saw what I've always seen, that you're a beauty queen and that you deserve to be by my side. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. He's so emo. Yeah, it's like, come on, like, I'll wear my high-waisted pants and we'll rule together. <laughs> It'll be nice. Probably he was already thinking, like, we'll get matching tattoos. Right. We'll go listen to Dashboard Confessional. I'll get, yeah, I'll get your lightsaber, which is weird because it's his uncle's lightsaber. And then she can get his lightsaber tattooed on her. That'd be all kinds of weird. Hell yeah. Seeing the Resistance fleet in peril, Holdo climbs into the helm of the cruiser. Holdo prepares to make the jump into hyperspace. Hux orders the Supremacy to continue firing on the transports. Using the Force, Ray and Kylo struggle for possession of Luke's lightsaber. We're back in the hangar where Finn and Rose are about to be executed. Uh, they believe that Finn and Rose are a waste of blaster bolts. Phasma orders the First Order executioners to behead them with laser axes. We're watching the cruiser powering away. Connix thinks that she is running away, but Poe disagrees. Holdo turns the cruiser towards the First Order ships. Hux yells out to fire on that cruiser. Kylo and Rey are still force struggling here to gain control of Luke's lightsaber. Phasma gives the order to execute Finn and Rose. The lightsaber explodes. Holdo sacrifices herself by torpedoing the cruiser through the First Order ship at light speed chopping it in two and destroying much of the escort fleet instantly. The Resistance is watching this from the transport, and the resulting explosion sets the Supremacy's cargo hold aflame and interrupts Finn and Rose's execution. I love that scene of when she makes the jump and cuts the, the ship in half, how it was just done silent. No audio. It's just for you to... To feel the depression of the primary auditory sense of just like the big kaboom or whatever. And it's just the light. And I think I I tactically responded with kind of like a kickback, even though there was like yeah. nothing there. So I that was like, I don't know how they kind of came up with deciding to omit all the sound and make it just pure film. But I thought that was like really great. I thought it was done great. Well, in space, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> <laughs> that must be why it's so easy for Kylo to be emo because he's tantruming it up all over the place and he's like no one can hear me <laughs> but the, except for Snoke I guess because he's like loves that shit right Admits the Inferno Rose helps Finn up and the two search for a shuttle however Finn and Rose are cornered by Phasma and several of the stormtroopers before she can eliminate them, BBA commandeers a dot first order ATST walker and intervenes, blasting the troopers. Finn and Phasma duel amidst the chaos. Phasma manages to knock Finn to the ground with her staff. Rose and Phasma then begin to exchange fire. With Phasma distracted, Finn knocks her to the ground with his riot baton. 
With her helmet shattered, Phasma tells Finn that he has always been scum. Finn says, rebel scum. Love that banter. Phasma falls, <laughs> Phasma falls for her death in a fiery chasm when the floor beneath her gives way. Finn, Rose, and BB-8 then flee the First Order ship, commandeering a shuttle. In Snoke's chamber, Hux surveys the corpses of Snoke and his guards in disbelief. He sees an unconscious Wren and prepares to shoot him. He opens up his, his duster, about to pull out his blaster, uh, but he puts away when he sees that Kylo Ren is waking up. Learning that Rey has escaped on Snoke's escape shuttle, Ren frames her for Snoke's death and orders Hux to prepare for a ground assault on the Resistance base. This causes Dude. Hux to absolutely explode. Twice in his lifetime, he's the same. Like he's he's destined to die in the same way, or attempted to die in the same way. Assassinating someone's going to shoot you while you're unconscious, sleeping. Good lord! Yeah, Huck says, "Who do you think you are? I am our supreme leader. Is dead. We have no leader." Ren angrily force chokes him into submission, declaring himself the new supreme leader. <laughs> We are now on Crate. The surviving Resistance fighters regroup at the abandoned Rebel base, which was once a mine. General Grana orders her forces to shut the shield door. Pursued by TIE fighters, Finn and Rose and BB-8 crash land their stolen shuttle inside the base. Following a brief shootout, a brief reunion ensues with Poe hugging BB-8. Rose lead the search for weapons to find rusted ammunition and several old ski speeders. Poe and Leia also sent a distress signal to their allies in the Outer Rim Territory seeking help. Shortly thereafter, they sense the earth shaking and these diamond foxes start to scurry away. They realize that the First Order Army has arrived with a bunch of AT-AT walkers and a super laser siege cannon. C-3PO informs the others that BB-8 has done schematics of the cave and found that there is only one entrance. Finn encourages the resistance by re reassuring them that allies will come and proposes that they will take out the siege cannon. While resistance soldiers under one of the generals here for uh, the resistance, they man uh, some of the trenches and laser batteries. Poe, Finn, and Rose lead a charge with some old ski speeders to destroy the First Order Assault's massive siege cannon. Uh, I really like the, just the visual here of the salt flats. But when those speeders are are flying there, it's kicking up all basically everything underneath. It's kind of blood red. It's it's visually stunning. I, I I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it carries over from the Snoke's throne room where yes. everything is. His whole thing was red, and then also like all the stormtroopers are are white, and yeah, it's great. Yeah. Realizing that the resistance is in the mine, Kylo Ren orders his forces to push past them and dispatch the TIE fighters. The speeders try to break off, but several are destroyed by TIE fighters, which also strafe the trenches, killing many resistance soldiers. Rose is pursued by three TIE fighters, but Rey and Chewbacca arrive in the Falcon, shooting them down. The Millennium Falcon also drives some of the TIE fighters away, shooting down several. Kylo Ren orders his forces to take out that piece of junk. Before, when she came back with the when they came back with the Millennium Falcon, at this point forgotten, she had been off air for quite a while. I'd forgotten that Ray was still in this movie. I was like, oh okay. I was like, oh she's back again. 
okay, yeah. I guess, whatever. She's back. The Falcon leads the pursuing TIE fighters into a canyon. The ship's rear cannon is crushed against the rocks, but several TIE fighters also collide with the rocks. Chewbacca, with the Porg watching, they uh, fly the Falcon into a canyon that leads to the surface. Finn and Rose approach the Super Laser Siege Cannon, which begins powering up. Supreme Leader Wren and General Hux order their walkers to concentrate the fire on the speeders, destroying Strevel. Poe thinks that it's a suicide mission and orders Finn to retreat, but Finn is determined to take out the cannon. He accelerates his speeder, ignoring Rose's pleas. Before Finn can complete a suicide mission, Rose prevents Finn from sacrificing himself to destroy the battering ram cannon, which then blasts a hole into the fortress. Poe and the surviving pilots retreat into the trenches with the surviving soldiers. Finn climbs out of his wrecked speeder and rescues an injured Rose. When he asks why she stopped his mission, Rose replies, they survived by saving what we love. Adorable. As the superlator burns through the gate of the crate base, Kylo Ren orders his forces to storm the base and show no quarter to the resistance. Connix informs uh, Daisy that the resistance broadcast has reached multiple points, but that they have re received no response. And Leia thinks that the galaxy has lost all hope. Luke suddenly arrives here just out of nowhere, and he comforts Leia. After exchanging pleasantries, Luke apologizes and tells Leia that he's come to confront Ren. Leia thinks that her son is gone, but Luke reassures her that nobody is truly gone. After handing Han's lucky dice over to Leia, Luke walks out through the gate to confront Kylo Ren in the First Order, while C-3PO and the rest of the Resistance look on. Outside, Luke confronts Kylo Ren alone outside the breach door, giving the surviving Resistance fighters time to escape. Ren orders the First Order walkers to unleash a massive volley of turbo laser fire onto Luke's position. Hux questions the amount of firepower, but Luke emerges from the blast crater completely unscathed and mocks the First Order's firepower with a brush of his shoulder, a la Jay-Z. Yeah, this is uh, exactly, you know, when in the beginning he's like, what do you expect me to do? Take them all on by myself? And what does he end up doing? Here we are. <laughs> Future callback. Yeah. Ren resolves to confront Skywalker despite Hux's objections, whom he shoves against the hull of the uh, command shuttle's cockpit. Finn drags a wounded Rose out of the makeshift stretcher uh, into the crate base while Ren lands his shuttle. Watching the battle, Finn wants to help, but Poe realizes that Skywalker is buying them time to escape. Poe says that they are the spark of the resistance and they will burn the First Order down. After seeking C-3PO's advice, Poe decides to follow the little diamond foxes here, hoping that they are going to lead them to a hole. Meanwhile, Rey uses the beacon to track down the Resistance comrades' movements. She manages to track them down by following a group of these little diamond foxes. Finn and the Resistance encounter a pile of rocks, which the diamond foxes are able to slip through, but are too small for the Resistance. Outside, Rey discovers the pile of rocks and then uses the Force to lift them up. Another future callback. As Resistance fighters stream out, Ray hugs Finn. Outside, Kylo Ren confronts his uncle personally in a lightsaber duel on the salt plane outside the base and asks Luke if he has come to forgive him or to save his soul. Luke replies no as the two draw their lightsabers. 
Kylo charges at Luke, but his uncle repeatedly evades Ren's attacks. Luke apologizes to Ren for failing him, but Ren angrily rejects his apology, declaring the resistance is dead and the war is over, and that with Luke's death shall come the ultimate death of the Jedi. Luke counters by saying that both the Jedi and the Rebellion are born anew in Rey and the Resistance, and invites Ren to strike him down but tells that he will always be with him just like Han. Ren tries, but is surprised to see that Luke is still standing. He pokes his blade directly through Luke's torso, and to his horror, it passes right through him as if he were a ghost, revealing that Luke is physically still on the island and has been stalling for time as a force projection of himself. Wow. Luke says, Yeah. Luke says goodbye to his fallen nephew before his projection finally fades away, leaving Kylo Ren furious. More tantrums. This time they heard him scream. <laughs> yes, everyone heard him scream this time. The effort to create the projection was just too much for Luke as he collapses from exhaustion. With the last of his strength, he climbs up to the cliff where he started training Ray and stares out over the island's binary sunset, similar to the one that he saw on Tatooine mm -hmm. before he became a Jedi. Luke then dies, his body vanishes, and he becomes one with the Force. We're back on crate. Leia and Ray sense Luke's death. The First Order storms the base, but are too late to prevent the remaining Resistance fighters from escaping aboard the Falcon, albeit before Ren shares another Force Bond moment with Rey, who eventually shuts him out, much to his, his dismay. Mm. After leaving crate, Chewbacca hugs Leia. Finn opens a drawer on the Falcon to get a blanket for the gravely injured Rose, revealing briefly to the audience that Rey stole all the books from the original Jedi Library, and Yoda did not destroy them after all. Spoiler alert. After being formally introduced to Poe, Rey laments Luke's death as she looks hopelessly at his broken lightsaber and the group's small numbers. Leia, however, notes that Luke is now at peace and that the Rebellion has all it needs to rise again. Later on Cantobite, 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 Bite the Wheat, the stable children regale themselves with story of Luke's adventures. They are interrupted by the uh, father trainer who angrily orders mm -hmm. the children to get back to work outside. The kid that was in the father's stable is still wearing the resistance ring that Rose gave him, and he summons his broom with the force and hopefully gazes up at the stars. Roll credits. You also, as he's holding like the broom at his angle, it looks like he's holding a lightsaber yeah. as the what we believed to be the Millennium Falcon streaks across the sky. Yep. So it is, call out. it is very much of like the hope and the spark exists amongst the, the people that want to break away from the machine that is the empire. So it's a really good lasting image to, you know, going forward that it, yeah, well, we, we think that their numbers are small, but there's still, people out there that their message resonates to. So it's a hopeful ending. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little bit of trivia here. At two hours and 32 minutes, this is the longest Star Wars film to date. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> that, that's why they, they, it's so much better to to do this now with the Disney Plus with the actual um, six part, seven part series. Uh, 30 minutes a piece. Uh, and you kind of divide it, um, I, I, it feels so much better. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, but there's also the people that they're like, I would just want to binge it straight. So they'll 
it's like that thing that Billy was saying. They'll complain about a two and a half hour movie, but that somehow watching six 30 minute shows or whatever it is, uh, which is much, much longer than this, doesn't seem as like tiring or long. It's because there's those natural breaks in there, right? You get your opening credits, your closing credits. Are you still watching? Right? You, you get those natural breaks. So, yeah. After filming ended, the rap party was held at an Irish pub. Daisy Ridley, who had worked as a bartender in London before her acting career started, stood behind the counter and served the cast and crew. She must be great, like on, or she's expected to be great, like St. Patrick's Day or like birthday parties and stuff like that. Maybe, so I don't know how she shakes that. It's like, dude, just hire someone else to do it. I don't know. Right. The Millennium Falcon's escape pod was designed to look like a coffin. It grossed $450 million worldwide in just three days. The trailer by itself grossed $45 million. How? How do you monetize a trailer? Because YouTube, uh, YouTube ads. Yeah. Yeah. This was the only non-Best Picture Oscar nominee that year to be nominated for Best Original Score. You know, of course, because John Williams, GOAT. I think he has, like, the most nominations and wins of anybody in Oscars history. It's like a... I wouldn't doubt it. It's a weird streak because I think a lot of people pretty much when they hear John Williams, they just think of, like his work in star wars but it ranges outside because isn't it also like jaws and et and uh, like it's a bunch of it's a bunch of iconic movies jurassic park yeah jurassic yeah. park and it, it's just like it's part of our like our collective conscience and also like the many ripoffs or uh, things that come off of it when people can't get the licensing and they have to do something similar in a cartoon or a commercial or whatever yeah, yeah, but th- that guy is like super goat status. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Slow and Low, who appears at the uh, casino on Candlebite. Candlebite, Candlebite. And Slow and Low is also a reference to the Beastie Boys song, Slow and Low, as is BB-8, a reference to the Beastie Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Why is DJ Khaled here? <laughs> Future callback, post-post game. Shout out Capo. <laughs> All right. Another one. We are going to get into our ratings here of uh, The Last Jedi. Uh, just a recap. We have three different ratings that we can have. It is a yeah, absolutely one of my favorites. I'm definitely going to see this. It doesn't matter uh, how many times I have seen it. It's one of my favorites. We have meh. Once is probably enough. Or feh. Get out of here. Never again. Uh, Jeanette, I'm going to start with you. Unlike other movies, this is not the first time that I actually watched uh, episode eight. Um, I went to the, I was not, I went to go see it in the theaters when it did come out back, back in the day. And it was, you know, you get caught up in the, in the whole emotion of it because, you know, back in the late, you know, nineties, uh, when the new episodes were coming out, I went to go see those and I went to go see the re-releases of the original series. So I got bought in a long time ago and I fell in for this one when it came out again. And I was super excited. And then watching this now, it's like, 
oh my gosh so it was the time uh just it's so long uh, and the, the scenes that people have quoted as saying that are like unnecessary going to the planets in the end they didn't need a code breaker and all that stuff and it's just really heavy right um i did appreciate how i guess going in the original plan for this new series was to phase out the original golden trio of han leia and luke and to put in cement the new legacies of Poe, Ray, and um, what's his face? Finn. Finn, right? So to see how Leia was so the the way that she spoke, and to see these moments of like her come her, we think that she dies and she comes back with the Force, and how nobody really leaves you uh, in the hangar, and then how she a year later when the movie is released it's released a year after she passes away it, it adds a level of like uh you 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 wouldn't like it's, it's outside of what you would write in hollywood it's outside of all of the fantasticism the fact that in these projects she gets to work with her daughter yeah um right it's really you know it's, it's super cool so for me time length aside it's a it's a meh it's not really up there for me, but it is something where if maybe if I put it on the queue and I can watch it over a couple of days, I can get through it. And I, you know, I don't have the sense of like urgency, but if there's like something else, maybe Star Wars that I want to check out, I, I, this doesn't go to the top of the list, but if I'm kind of like skimming through it, it'll make the round. So for me, it's right there in the middle. It's a sweet spot. I think a lot of like the nostalgia, like what puts it there for me not being a fet it's just all the carrie fisher like um nostalgia and the loveliness of what she goes through in this movie and then seeing her even though she doesn't have a lot of endearing moments with her actual daughter billy lord them working on this project on these projects together because they were in the first movie as well um adds a lot of uh sentimentality to it so i do like that part so a definite meh. Yeah. All right, Schweitz, we'll go to you now. Yeah, meh, or feh? I'm going to say, yeah. I've watched this movie a few different times. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it, but it's a little bit higher than a meh for me. I do like Star Wars as a whole. Um, this is a much better movie than what, or, uh, what came after it, which was just garbage. So... Um, within the lure of Star Wars, I will sit and watch all of the movies at some point. I will even watch episode two, which is by far the worst of all of them. So, um, I'll, I'll put it in the yeah category, but it's, it's probably closer to Matt, but I'll say, yeah. All right. For me, I'm going to give this one just on the film itself, right? We're not, I'm not going to take into context the other seven before this or the one after it. I am just going strictly off of this one movie. It's going to be a yeah. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the cinematography. I really enjoyed the uh, fight scene in the throne room. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, just the the way that it was shot, the way that uh, Ryan Johnson kind of created and continued on his vision of you know the whole Star Wars Star Wars galaxy and the whole 
canon. I liked how he kind of carved out his own little portion of that. Um, if I'm seeing this holistically with all of the other movies, it would be a meh, but because we're just focusing on just this one movie, it's going to be a yeah. Yeah, so you and Schweitz went, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, like I said, for me, I think maybe if it would have been like a solid two hours, probably gets maybe bumped up a little bit. So it's it's going to be a long time before I see this one again, because, you know, taking all these notes, this two and a half hour movie turns into seven hours real quick. Um, but yeah, I'll take it. And that's going to do it for this episode of Lauer After Hours Presents Cinema. This has been at Beep Count. Tonight I was joined by Schweitz up in Canada and Jeanette in Southern California. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, con Dios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lauer After Hours. You can always reach us on Twitter at Lauer After Hours or Instagram at Lauer After Hours. We're available wherever you get podcasts, so don't forget to download, subscribe, review, and rate five stars. 